Hello, and welcome to the Gym Rat Podcast. I'm Luke. And I'm Jay, and we got episode 78 for you. And, well, I think that this is a theme that we've said now for the past, like, seven, eight podcasts, but I'm just going to say it again. We apologize for, once again, being very tardy with giving you a podcast, but you know what? Times are times are crazy at the moment, and we've just got to live our lives. So we apologize for the fact that we've not been on the air, but... Once again, this podcast, just like every of the last podcasts we've done, is going to be pure quality, even though we haven't given as much quantity your way. Yeah, exactly. We don't sacrifice quality to give you one every week. Okay, people? We don't do that. And if you listen to the last one, which I was listening to the other day, uh, it's hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious. And we're going to do the same thing again for you today. Um I'm going to briefly hit you with the agenda, guys. We've got the douche yeah. of the week. We've got the most ridiculous sports story of the week. We're going to give you a little talk about the U.S. Open, and then we're going to end things off with, um, I don't know, should we talk about the NBA Finals a little bit, Jay? <laughs> oh, that happened yesterday. <laughs> oh, the historic Game 7 that uh, rocked the very foundation of the world of basketball. Yeah, we should probably talk about that. Yeah, I guess we'll touch on it. Um, so, yeah, we should probably talk about that. Yeah, well, I guess we'll briefly touch on it. I mean... <laughs> yeah. You know, if we have time, uh, you know what's funny? You know, this this is the dog days of sports. Oh yeah, you know, we're, it's this, we're in it. We're in it right now. It's from basically July, July and August are the two months where it's just like, you know what? There isn't much because you know what? Right now, truthfully, June there's still a bit of excitement because we're coming off the we're in a hangover mode from the NBA Finals and the NBA draft is around the corner and that always provides a little bit of an excitement, but. From July to August, we got two months of just plain garbage, which is unfortunate because, you know what, they're the best times of the month. They're the best times of the year. Yeah, this might morph into a free-flowing jazz odyssey of a podcast where we just turn on the record button and talk about anything. (laughs) (laughs) We we spoke for about 45 minutes before starting this podcast, so we'll probably just record that previous conversation and just let it fly. And hopefully you can keep up with all the names. Yeah, if the wrong person listens to that, there's going to be some tears involved. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, before actually uh, we carry on, uh, 78, because I know that our loyal fan base will be very distraught if I don't give them a player that wore number 78. So here we go. We got number player 78, Julio Uras, or Ur- Urias. Sorry, Urias. I don't know his name, but that's because he wears number 78. So I think any reputable player has already taken a number seventy-seven down. So at this point, we're we're picking at threads here. Yeah, and this guy, ninety-nine, we're going to be dealing with a lot of chuts. <laughs> exactly. You know what? We eighty-seven's decent, but you know we got a we got a few maybe decent ones speckled in there. But for the most point, we're dealing with just pure garbage. And this guy, well, left-handed pitcher for the Dodgers. There we go. That's all I can really say. He's Mexican. <laughs> With a name like Julio? you got to be kidding me. I thought it was German. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm surprised Germans haven't made their way to MLB baseball, but clearly they have better yeah, things the, to do. With the pure efficiency with which they operate, you figure they could get at least a good couple of pitchers. Yeah, you'd think so. I mean, they're <laughs> you should be right up the rally. But yeah, absolutely. Well, they're too busy making the best cars in the world. Jay, why don't we get And they're too busy, then, what's it called, not caring about the environment at all with those best cars in the world. Yeah. They haven't started a war in a while, so they probably got something brewing under the tank there. 
Yeah, well, they're too busy tying to Poland in soccer, so. Zip. Well, Sorry. it may be the dog days of summer, but I don't know if we've reached low enough that we got to start talking about soccer. When it's a European Cup, I think that's something that's very <laughs> nice to talk about, you know, but that's because I have England winning it, even though they have two draws. Yeah, it's a smart pick. Have a once in 66. I think they got it. Hey, they're second in their pool, man. That's all that's important. Ah, sick. How many pools are there? There's six. No, eight. Sorry, eight. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we move on to the douche of the week here, Jay? Yeah, douche of the week. Well, this one, you know what? I I was going to pick a few douches from the basketball game that happened yesterday, but I figure I'll save that for the basketball game. So this one actually caught my attention just because I wouldn't say it's necessarily douchey. it's, It's more just ridiculous that Justin Timberlake had to basically, um, you know how, like, Drake tries to, like, bring in free agents to his team? Well, I guess Justin Timberlake is really trying to make, like, the Memphis Grizzlies his team. He was, grew up there, whatever. So, anyway, I guess he's trying to be, like, the Memphis spokesperson for, you know, their squad. Anyway, he started actively recruiting, and his big name to fame, and this actually made headlines, is that, like, Justin Timberlake convinces Mike Connolly Jr. back to Grizzlies. And the, my thought that NC went through my head is, who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, no way. Mike Connolly Jr. is joining the Grizzlies again? Like, <laughs> Oh, the 12th best point guard in the NBA? <laughs> oh, no way. Tell me more. Like, He's getting recruited I by just... a guy who hasn't put out a song <laughs> since 2006? <laughs> Justin Timberlake, his last hit was Sexy Back, and Mike Connolly Jr. has been a perennial average player. <laughs> I just, Let's be honest, I just love he's that. Not that's saying. I don't know how official that source is. He's leaving. Yeah. You would be an yeah. idiot to sign back. It's like, oh, let's play with the most antiquated, old school team in one of the worst markets in the fucking country. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh... It was kind of a shock. So I just I saw that headline. I just had to laugh because it's like, of all the headlines to pick, that's the one you get. Justin Timberlake's convinces Mike Connolly Jr. back to Grizzlies. If I was in the Grizzlies organization or in the Grizzlies fan base and I heard that, I'd be like, call me in two years. You know, Call me when this is over. Don't have to put myself through this garbage but anyway, so that's my douche of the week for, I don't know if I give it to the journalist or I give it to Justin Timberlake for trying to be the spokesperson for Memphis, you know, because Memphis isn't cool and it's never going to be cool, okay? It's just the way it is. You got some good barbecue, oh, but that's it. They got Elvis. You got to give him that. <laughs> yeah, but Elvis peaked in the 50s. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> Same with Memphis. They peaked in the 50s and that was it. People don't know if he's dead or not. And he died on the toilet, hypothetically. So, you know what? You're not that cool if you die taking a shit. Well, I don't care who you are. Listen. You lose points. You lose cool points when you die taking a shit. Given my track record, there's a very good chance <laughs> I'm dying on the toilet, Jay. Very good well, chance. I hate, well, I hate to tell you, man, but you, know, <laughs> you better rack up those cool points now because by the time... I'm <laughs> losing some. If it was enough to dethrone Elvis from the cool tower... Uh, I'm going to be fucked. I'm going to be a disaster. <laughs> well, if you if you know what's happening, just dive off, you know? <laughs> well, 
Let's let's get into the most ridiculous sports story of the week. As we mentioned yeah. earlier, we got the Euro Cup going on. And when the Euro Cup's going on, the whole world is watching. And by the whole world, I mean Europe. There was an incident about five days ago where Germany coach Jakochim Lau, probably not pronouncing that rightly, and frankly, I don't care, got caught rubbing his fingers on his balls and then sniffing them in the middle of a game. (laughs) (laughs) As if that wasn't enough. He shoves his fingers down his ass, scratches his asshole, and then sniffs those fingers again. (laughs) Now, Jay, I I am sure that you've seen the video. Tell me you've seen seen the the video. video. I've seen the video. It's stunning. It it literally looks as though somebody... If I said to you, Jason, I'm going to pay you a million bucks to go on national TV, scratch your balls, and sniff them in the most awkward way possible, you would not be able to top this. This guy nails it. I mean, he gets right in there, cups the underside of the gonads, digs in deep. He removes some skin he was scratching so hard, pulls it out. As he sits down, he sniffs the fingers, holds it there enough to really get to know himself a bit, and then just, yeah. oh, I can't. Just really really gets to make sure what his brand is like today. You know what he's going, oh, yeah, it's a hot one today. Yeah, milk is a bad <laughs> choice. So then... He actually came out on Twitter and uh, had the most half-ass apology you've ever heard for this thing. Uh, now, this obviously loses something in translation from German, but translated into English, he says, I'm sorry for it. When you're full of adrenaline, things happen that you don't perceive. So this guy's blaming the ball sniff <laughs> on adrenaline. <laughs> I, I, do oh, I know how, man. You know, when I get excited, man, I just got to... I, I just got to rub my dick and just get a good whiff of it. <laughs> yeah, and if that's not enough, I got to scratch my you know, anus and just take a pull off of that. <laughs> like, I I smell my anus when I have to, you know, go to the washroom. You know, I think that's enough. I've got enough of my anus. You know, I've never, like, you know what? I wonder what my anus smells like right now. Let's give a good old little finger poke and smell her. You know what? You know? I'm on national television in the probably the second biggest sporting event in the world. I really got to take a whiff of my asshole right now. I got to know. Oh, there's only 60,000 people in this arena? Okay, well, not one of them will probably notice me scratching my anus and then <laughs> taking a big old sniff, you know? Like, yeah. getting a good old smell of my own brew. And, and, you know, you see this in a lot of sports, Jay. Guys get filled with adrenaline. What do they do? They shove their hand down their pants, they scratch their balls, and they sniff it. It's It's... It's, you know, your garden variety ball sniff. It happens all the time. LeBron, right after his big block on injury Gudala, what did he do? He scratched his asshole. He took a sniff. I, I get where this guy's coming from. Yeah, exactly. After Zidane headbutted the guy, he went straight for his nutsack and took a big scratch and sniff. Yeah, Kyrie just... Irving hits the game-winning shot in Game 7. What does he do? He scratches his foreskin. You gotta do it. You gotta <laughs> Jose smell Batista the... Yeah, after the bat Does flip. the bat flip. Instantly... Hand to the anus, you know. You gotta, you gotta make sure you gotta mark history. The second you do the backflip, you gotta make sure you smell your brand and go. Yeah, that's what it was like during that exact second. Exactly. You know, Sidney Crosby, so overcome with joy, skating around with the Stanley Cup, and he's thinking, I wonder what kind of dick cheese I got going on. Is it more of a Gouda or is it a little bit more <laughs> piquant? Is it a Gruyere? I better check this out. And that's what he does. 
<laughs> Novak Djokovic, after he won the Grand Slam title, goes, you know what? It was smelling funky before. I want to see how pungent my dick smells right now. <laughs> Gotta go right in. I'm actually pickling something down there. I gotta see if it's turned. Yeah, it's, uh... I, I just, like... I, like, Why would you do that in your spare time as it is, you know? Like, I don't get it. Like, there's no logic behind it. It's like, you can blame it on adrenaline. But say, take away adrenaline, because clearly that's not it. Then this guy just, like, likes just smelling his own brand. Like, what the hell is wrong with the guy? Oh. Clearly quite a few things. Quite a few things. And then the like, best part is... Um, like, that's up there with killing baby animals, you know? Like, for, like, a psychopath. Like, at an early age, it's like, um, you're sniffing your dick? Mm, there may be something psychologically wrong with him, man. You know? Well, one of his players comes out to support him. This guy's name is Lucas Padalowski. Yeah. And, uh, and I quote, says... I believe 80% of your reporters, and me as well, scratch your nuts from time to time. <laughs> and you know what? He's right. I do scratch my nuts. I'm scratching them right now. I don't scratch the bare nut, pull the hand out, and then sniff what I just scratched. Certainly don't do that on fucking television. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, listen, we're not complaining about the nut scratch. Yeah, this nut, wouldn't even be a conversation. If he just nut scratched and w- ended it, no, it wouldn't I don't, even be a conversation. I, I don't know, man, because the way this guy, the angle that he enters the pants is the same angle you would expect a pedophile to do so, like creeping on a fucking daycare. <laughs> he just comes in from the front and you, he exposes his entire midriff. The shirt comes up. You can see he's penetrating underneath the underwear. So even if he just scratched, it would have been uh, pretty viral. The fact that he does the sniff afterwards. If you guys haven't seen this video, you've got to watch it. It's priceless. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, but think about it. If he just went for the, the and, scratch or whatever, we'd laugh and get it over with. But what really sets us apart now is that not only did he go for the scratch and sniff, but then he was like, you know what? I'm not done. My nutsack, okay, I got some attention. But my anus is sitting here not getting any love. I gotta go back in from the back door and make sure to go up the pooper to make sure that everything's equal. Yeah, the pooper one is like, he's sitting down. It's not even easy <laughs> access. He's grimacing. It looks like he's in such an <laughs> awkward position. I'm watching it right now. Oh, he's going to smell it. He's going to smell it. Oh, what a fucking weirdo, man. And yeah. he smells it. Oh, he's <laughs> picking at the fingernails. He must have caught something. <laughs> What a piece of work. Well, Jesus. that does it for the most ridiculous sports story of the week. If that's not ridiculous enough for you guys, then you can go get your sports news somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. If you can't enjoy a guy picking his own ass, then frankly, I don't know who you are. The only thing that would have been worse is if he licked his fingers. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh. You know, I feel bad for the people that have to shake the guy's hand afterwards. That didn't know. That he just went for a ride downtown to Chocolate Town and took a little scratch. <laughs> Someone dropped a dookie in the goddamn urinal. <laughs> yeah, he, he probably high-fived everyone on his team. There's no way he didn't. Oh, man. Anyway, yeah, the classic. Well, I'm surprised it didn't come from, like, I'm surprised, out of Germany. I'm surprised it came from Germany. Yeah, Portugal like, would have been the no-brainer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, if I were to guess, like, I don't know, something tells me that, like, out of all the countries that could have come from, like, I don't know, like, maybe Turkey or something, I feel oh, yeah. like... Somewhere in Eastern know? Europe, Bratislava. Yeah, exactly. Romania, they probably just, they do that just before they eat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it smells like yesterday food, you know, like, just... <laughs> exactly. Well, let's let's move on here, Jay. Um, I know you're not a big golf guy. I get it, and that's fine. I um, I would say I'm a pretty big golf fan. I'm an aspiring player who wishes he could get better, but just can't seem to break 100, no matter how hard I fucking try. That's a whole story for a different podcast. But, nevertheless, this weekend in sports was pretty awesome. Not only do we have a legendary basketball game, we had an awesome U.S. Open. Now, for the listeners who don't know, um, part of the story all starts with the fact that it's taking place at Oakmont, which is a legendary course, and it prides itself in being one of the most difficult courses in the United States, if not the most difficult. Uh, there's this thing out there called the Stimp Meter, and the Stimp Meter measures how quick the greens are. So if you drop a ball on it from the same height on every different green, how far the ball rolls will tell you how much stimps it is. This one has a 14 on a stimp meter. Now, I'm sure you guys have no reference, but that's really fucking fast. So fast that basically you drop this ball, and there's guys on Instagram just dropping balls on the green, and they're rolling right off. Like, the amount of control you need to have was staggering. It was unbelievable. Jordan Spieth dropped one like a foot from the fucking pin, and it rolled right off the green. Because that's how, that's how crazy fast these greens are. Oakmont takes pride in how fast these greens are. So keep that in mind as I tell you about the controversy that happened. So Dustin Johnson, the eventual winner of the tournament, um, was the victim of this controversy. On the fifth hole, on the final round of the day, he had a one-stroke lead. He was uh, at minus five, and Shane Lowry was at minus four. So one stroke is obviously a huge uh, penalty at this point. He addresses his ball on the putting green. And gent- like, as, he, as he addresses his ball, he nestles his club beside it like he always does. Because the greens are so steep, doing so, when he pulled his club face back, the ball actually rolled backwards a little bit. So seeing this happen, he immediately told the field judge, the guy on the field, the referee, said, no, don't worry about it, play out, it's fine. Smash cut to an hour and a half later, Dustin Johnson is on the four, is on the twelfth hole now, and all of a sudden, <laughs> the head of the U.S. Uh, Golf Association comes over to him and goes, "Oh, by by the way, that might be a stroke. We're going to review it and decide after the tournament." So now this guy who's in the lead doesn't know if he's got a minus five or a minus four. Then they go on and announce this to all the other guys golfing. So now everyone else in the tournament's like, okay, is this guy up by one stroke or is he up by two strokes? They have no fucking idea. It completely <laughs> shatters everyone's idea of how to play the course, whether or not to be aggressive. Dustin's got no fucking idea how much he's winning by. It was a goddamn disaster, like a complete clusterfuck. Luckily, Dustin Johnson pulled his dick out and showed USGA how big it is and ended up winning the thing by four strokes. Thank God, because they ended up subtracting that stroke from him at the end of the round and didn't fucking tell him. Jay, I know you're not a big golfer, but I sure know that you like to complain about officiating. So what is your take on this fucking situation? Well, clearly the U.S. Open took some pointers from NBA refs, and they're like, hey, how do we really fuck things up? Oh, yeah. well, you see, this is what you do. 
You see, for me, it's as simple as this. It's a pra- it's a common it's a rule. If it's if it's either a stroke or it's not, you can't tell the guy midway through the game. You know, you can't be like, oh, um, we think that. Like, uh, that was a three, but we're not going to review it to the game's over. <laughs> yeah, that's so, the most ridiculous part. Hmm. So like, we're going to assume you, you can either win by, you have to win by more than two and then hope that it doesn't happen. Like, no, like, it's ridiculous. But like, it would literally never happen in any other sport. Can you imagine in basketball, LeBron James hits a three, they think the toe's on the line, and they're like, okay, you guys just keep playing this out, and we'll figure out if it was a two or a three at the end of the game. Yeah, and we'll adjust the score accordingly. Yeah, like, are you, you know? fucking out of your mind? That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Yeah, exactly. And then, as you said, you know, it, like, changes... It doesn't just change the, the actual goal of Dustin. First off, it's kind of confusing for Dustin. But at the same time, too, he's the leading, so he's just got to keep up killing it. But at the same time, it changes the golfers that are in second, third, fourth, right? Because if they're a stroke behind or something... You know, being they're not going to play as aggressive. Is, yeah, being one stroke behind is way different between and being two strokes behind. You're like, you'll be a little bit more conservative. You might be, maybe you're going to, you know, lay up instead of trying to go over the water. There's so many different things, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that's most ridiculous about it is the USGA, you know, in trying to defend themselves, kept coming back to, well, Dustin was technically the one who created the movement of the ball. And I disagree. They created the movement of the ball. They're mm-hmm. the ones who got so horny about how fucking fast their greens are and made them so outrageously quick. That's Dustin Johnson's standard approach. He do- he addresses the ball like that all the time. It's just so just so fucking fast, these greens, that doing what he always does causes them to move slightly. So they're the ones who are at fault here. And then the best part is the referee, the guy who's supposed to make the judgment calls in a scenario like this, says it's cool. It's not as like nobody made a ruling on it and they just discovered the video and said, oh, we got to address it. There's a guy who's paid on staff to make the call and he said it's cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just it's just completely ridiculous. And they ended up taking away the stroke, which is crazy. Yeah, it's, and he, exactly. Imagine if he lost because of that. Oh, dude, if he didn't win the thing... The fucking golf world would be up in roar. I, so the big three in golf are Jason Day, Rory McIlroy, and Jordan Spieth. McElroy, these guys all finished before Dustin. They weren't really in contention, so they kind of saw what was going down on TV. And they're all tweeting about it and just ripping apart the USGA. Like, just, are you guys out of your mind? This is a joke. Are you guys serious? You're going to fucking change the score now? What are mm-hmm. you doing? So... The golf world would have been in an absolute uproar, and it's a shame because... Um, that's not the type of publicity you want, especially in a year where they're kind of condensing the U, the major schedule, and all these majors are in competition with each other for viewer numbers and all that stuff. The Olympics are going to be this year, which is a brand new thing. You can't afford to be like, oh, in the year of the six majors, we were the ones who fucked up the entire thing because we fucked up a, a, a stupid rule. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like know. it was ridiculous, man. To me, it's like. What do you need to review? It's like you have all the information. You either it is or it isn't. Yeah. And you just wait and you get a resolution. Then you carry on. And like, I don't see why it would have to be drawn out. Dude, I don't know how like, many, everyone who's golfed in their life has had that happen where you just touch the ball and it moves a sixteenth of an inch. And you just go, okay, I'm hitting this. And nobody says shit. It's just, obviously, it's the Masters. you got to be more of a stickler on the rule. But the guy mm-hmm. said it was fine. Yeah. 
Luckily, the guy won. Dustin hit that fucking unreal approach shot on the 18th. And that we basically, on these incredibly fast greens, hit like a super far shot, rolled it back like three feet in front of the pin. It was the best shot of his career. Won the thing handedly and got to fuck Paulina Gretzky all night long. <laughs> yeah, so at least there's that. Well, but yeah, no Here's the other crazy thing, dude. He, last year, right, he was winning the fucking U.S. Open. And all he, he had an eagle putt on the 18th against Spieth. He hits it, he wins. He ends up three-putting and loses the game by one stroke. So this poor Dustin guy, and that's how, that just shows the balls on Johnson, man. This guy goes into the thing with all that bad karma. Now down the stretch, he's got this whole shot thing hanging over his head that they might take away one of his strokes. And uh, <laughs> he perseveres through, man. You got to appreciate it when you know when guys show up to the calling. Not unlike yeah. Mr. LeBron James. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's a whole another conversation that I cannot wait to get into. But yeah, no, exactly. Golf, what the hell is wrong with you? Get your shit together. I can't say I'm a big avid fan. I'm a amateur player that wishes I could get better, but once again, I can't. I'm I'm like that crazy type. I'm like I expect to get better with having zero practice or knowledge or experience or any type of learning, but I still think I should be better. Dude, I I couldn't agree with you more. And the more I practice, it seems the worse I become at the game. It's just so fucking frustrating. I played a game recently where we're out in the wind with my buddy and. It was so fucking cold that everyone involved with this game wanted to be off the course by, I'd say, the seventh hole. But none of us wanted to be the bitch who was like, Hey guys, it's getting a little cold. You think we should pack it in? <laughs> so we all just toughed it out. <laughs> and then I just remember looking at my buddy Burke at the 18th hole going, Dude, I wanted to get off this course ten holes ago. And it was just a resounding yes. Like, yeah, we, we should have been out of here a long time ago. <laughs> just that's classic male spite. You gotta love it. Yeah, I, well, I've, I've had the opposite where it's just been so fucking hot that I'm like, why am I even out here? But <laughs> yet I stuck through it. You cold? And no, man, I'm hot. I'm taking my shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> it's too hot. Yeah, no, I mean, I've had my my one golfing experience this year yet. So usually I go at least once a year. Ah, maybe we can play so. when I'm back. Hey, there we go. Go back to the good old pines. Yeah, yeah, we got to bring it back to the old days. Yeah, where you can get $30, $30 green time, and you can literally just do whatever you want. I've yeah. seen things that have happened on that golf course that blow any type of etiquette out of the water. Oh, so. yeah, you want to drive your putter directly into the green? <laughs> you want to try and peg geese with a ball from 30 yards? Whatever you want. I've literally seen our friend Scotty whip an entire club just into the woods. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that was funny. Well, yeah. why don't we We used to do this one thing. Before oh. we move on, i got to share this one story. We used to do this one thing whenever we golf. Me, Scotty, Luke, we went through a phase of uh, playing golf as kids. Um, we were, weren't good at it. Oh, but we sucked so bad. We were... We, the only rule that it was at the end... Yeah, we counted score, and it kind of mattered in a sense, but because we were all... Lit- like double over par. No one really gave a shit. But the final hole, that is when it really mattered. And that's when the, that's when the dude had to buy the food. So yeah. that got No, it wasn't the food. At that stage, it was buy one can of Coke, man. Come on, we were in the ninth grade. 
Okay, well, when it eventually evolved to food. Did it? Yeah, I think so. You're right. Yeah. But I remember in grade nine, I was still pretty heavy. I'm like, man, I don't want to pay for that can of Coke. (laughs) (laughs) Full Coke, man? So so anyway, I I mean, I've been on the... So it got pretty heated. And it often went down to like a putt-off. And because we were all just terrible putters, we're talking like at least three putts on the green. So like... (laughs) And that was the most intense thing as a kid. And I remember at that age when I lost that putting con or that hole that ninth hole to have to pay for the can of pop i remember being devastated well and i remember it also morphing into like a game of basketball where we would all start trying to jinx one another to yeah. miss the putt you got guys dropping trowel on the golf course tweaking their nipples swearing just <laughs> yeah aggressive dry humping the hole oh you name it we did it like yeah. in anything short of just literally just like taking a shit (laughs) which we've been probably contemplated but we realized that their clubhouse is right there and they can see everything that's going on yeah that would have been a ballsy move yeah it would have been a really shitty move on their part for sure no question well jay why don't we get into it all right the moment we've all been waiting for an epic nba series has come to an end the historic golden state warriors owners of the record for the best regular season win record of all time 73 and 9 could not get it done they became the first team in the history of the nba to give up a 3-1 series lead in the nba finals so now they own two records good for them yeah now a really good record and a really bad record so (laughs) all is right in the world so i guess we can start um first off i didn't expect the Cavs to do it i didn't think they were even going to get close so I've got to give prompts to them for grinding it out and winning the game because, you know what, I did not expect anybody to lo- lo- win three times against the Golden State Warriors. So you know what, that in itself is unbelievable. But enough about that. What really stood out for you, Luke, in that game? Um, are we going to talk about the series or just Game 7 specifically? Well, we can we can do either one. Let's um, start start with what you feel is best. Well, let's talk about the series in general. I, uh, I before we start praising LeBron and Kyrie and their amazing recovery, I think we gotta call out Draymond Green for being a complete jackass. Yeah, I am of the opinion that if Draymond Draymond Green had not been suspended, the Warriors win that in five. Mm -hmm. I agree Draymond was the MVP of that series if the Warriors had won and frankly his shenanigans and just just an ego thing at that stage of the game you know you you know very well that you cannot take another technical you cannot take another flagrant so there's really no excuse for doing what he did He, he blatantly kicked LeBron now, sure, LeBron lobbied to have the guy suspended, and there's a lot of hate about that. But the reality of the situation is the Warriors have done the exact same thing. Miller, what's your take on the suspension? I I think it was a, the right suspension. Listen, it's not only the fact that he kicked him, too, but, like, the guy keeps fucking aiming for the nuts, man. Like, what the fuck is with this guy? Like, Yeah, yeah that, the guy's going for yeah. a dick shot. That is just classist. Like, I've, I've, I've cheap shot it. I do it all the time. I still do it in sports. Oh, I love it. You but, cheap shot. But you don't but, hit the nuts. 
I don't hit the nuts. There's a common just gentleman's rule that, listen, you can do a lot of things, but hitting the nuts is off the table. It's just common courtesy. And Draymond Green was like, starts with the nuts. Fuck (laughs) your courtesy. So that instantly pissed me off. And especially, like, take away that kick. You know, think about the time when he was getting up and he actively swung through with his right hand to try and sack LeBron. Like, listen, LeBron's a bitch, but LeBron would never do that. Yeah, you're right. He would never do that. So I I was, man, how many times during this season did I tell you that Draymond is becoming one of my favorite players in the league? I know you heard me say that. Mm-hmm. And literally, by the end of this playoffs, I don't like the guy anymore. I love his game. I love the intensity he plays with. But the bullshit and the antics, it, he's like a four-year-old out there. You know, enough with the flexing after every win one. Enough with the kicking guys in the balls. Enough with all of it. You, you, you bring in way too much attention onto yourself, and you legitimately cost your team the championship with your fucking ego and your foolishness. So, that's not taking anything away from the magnificent play of the Warriors, specifically LeBron and Kyrie, but I, I just, I gotta blame on, I gotta put some blame on Draymond Green. He deserves... You think of it, you think of it like a momentum thing. You're right. You, you think of it as a simple momentum thing, right? And in every single playoffs in at least the sports within North America. It's all momentum. So you think about um, the times where like the Giants win or things like that. It's all about who gets hot at the right times. And the Cavs got hot at the right time. But you know why they got hot at the right time? Because they lost the momentum because the Warriors who were killing it and were obliterating the Cavs, right? Because up until Game 7, there wasn't a close game. So Three games, they mashed them. You know the Cavs are just down on their luck. And then Draymond Green has to be an idiot and do that. Basically giving them a little bit of life. Giving them a chance. It's kind of like in Game of Thrones where they kill Jon Snow. But, you know, they didn't do it. They didn't realize that Melisandre was there and she was going to bring him back to life. They brought him back to life. Jon Snow fucked him all over. And unfortunately, that's LeBron is Jon Snow in this instance. Listen, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, after Game 4, if you're before the the announcement of the Draymond Green suspension and you're the Cleveland Cavaliers, you're already making vacation plans. It's over. The series, I thought it was over. The Warriors were beating them at every facet of the game. And Draymond was the best player on the floor. He was playing great defense. He's their best creator. He led the team in assists. He's their best rebounder, their best defender. And hell, he was their leading scorer in the finals at that point. He was killing it. And when he got suspended, that gave the Cavaliers hope. That combined, and, and then the rest is history. They go on to have a historic Game 5 where both those Kyrie and LeBron drop 41. Now they've completely snatched the momentum, and their two best players are hot. Going mm-hmm. back into Cleveland, so obviously you knew they were winning Game 6. I, I thought for sure, once... Once they won Game Five, I know it was. Go- I knew it was going to seven. And then in Game Seven, I mean, we saw what happened. So, um, and it's as simple as that. People said the Warriors have everything to lose. The Cavs have nothing to lose. Frankly, they were down three one. People already ruled them out. So the Cavs are going into this game with no pressure because for them, you know what? They just clawed their way back, and they don't have a record to keep intact. They don't have the greatest season of all time, to try and live up to. 
They just have to beat this best team. So for them, they're coming in with so much less pressure than the Cavs, uh, than the Warriors, sorry. I agree. So I'll say this before we keep talking about the rest. Draymond, you're a complete fucking idiot. And I really hope that they called him out on it because he's an idiot. Like, so much of that stuff. And frankly, he should have been suspended in the OKC series for what he did. That nut shot to Steven Adams, they, they, they shouldn't even have advanced past OKC because of Draymond's bullshit. And I think the NBA was like, okay, we'll let it slide this time. Once it happened again, they were like, no, no, that's it. And then he got suspended in the most important game of their fucking series at that point. So it, it was just really upsetting. But enough about Draymond Green being a jackass, Jay. Why don't we talk... Why don't we talk about uh, our favorite guy here, LeBron James? Okay, so first off, I just want to say, did it seem scripted to you, his reaction to winning? Like, it just didn't feel sincere. And I know I'm nitpicking a lot of shit, but, like, you know, when you see, like, Kobe win or you see, like, you know, Michael win and things like that, it just, like, you know, you can really feel it. I, I feel like LeBron... I feel like nothing he does is genuine, and I have no knowledge or no uh, expertise in the human psyche to back this up, but he just looks so scripted. The crying, the going on the ground, it's like it's like he's doing what he has to do to get that attention. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Uh-huh, I know it what just, you mean. I'm just watching him the entire time, and obviously the cameras were just completely focused on him, and he just looked so fake doing it like he didn't really care he was just like the media wants me to care and i know it's going to be in papers so i'm going to make a big deal of it i don't think he even cared that much like he's like yeah i want it i'm happy like i just don't agree and the, the amount he cried i'm like you know what i've never cried of happiness maybe that's just me maybe i need to maybe i've never been in that situation but for me when i'm happy i'm just i'm losing my shit I'm not sitting there crying. You know, I've cried times in my life in terms of, you know, terrible situations. But never being happy, man, I don't know. I just don't get it, you know? Well, I don't know, man. I agree with what you're saying, but I don't think it was just that night that was a scripted act. I think that's the guy's entire persona, which is part of the reason why I don't like him. Now, to be clear, I'm not taking anything away from the guy as a basketball player. He is the best basketball player of our generation. He's the best basketball player I've ever seen. The guy's unfucking believable. Like, he literally can do any single thing you want him to do. And do it better than anybody else. And it's unbelievable what the guy's capable of. But he's just such a fucking Nancy prima donna that I just can't take it. And frankly, I don't know. I don't want to make this about that. What the guy did was absolutely incredible. I mean, this guy, yeah, exactly. And, Let's and just they, talk about that. He was absolutely said, incredible. Like, about him being fake and all that. Part of that's because this kid's guy's been in front of the camera since he was 16. Like, he doesn't even know what it's like to be a real person. So everything he does, which is part of the reason why I hate him, it's kind of like a catch-22 situation, is because the media follows everything he does so heavily that like, for him it's perfectly normal to behave that way where we would see that and be like, that is the most inauthentic reaction to winning I've ever seen. You're putting on a show. Well, of course he's putting on a show. His entire life is based on putting on a show. His brand is based on putting on a show. The guy's almost a billionaire because he puts on a show. So it's tough for me to criticize him for it. 
I'm just I'm sick of hating on the guy. I, I just don't have yeah. the energy anymore. I'll just say this: the guy was absolutely incredible. Uh, he did it all. He fully deserved the MVP. I've been hearing some talk of some people and saying it should have gone to Kyrie, which is laughable. I think Kyrie. I'll LeBron led the team, led the series in every statistical category. Did, did you hear that right? That's never been done. It's Kyrie done. had a great game. You know what? That three-pointer, that had me screaming. But you know what? Kyrie had some good games. But you know what? He wasn't LeBron James. No. I'll say this. Um, I was very I mean, I, I was very impressed with Kyrie Irving. Uh, I've criticized that guy's defense a lot. I think he did a phenomenal job on Steph. Mm-hmm. Um, he outplayed Stephen Curry. He outplayed the MVP at his very position. He took it as an insult every single time Curry was on him. He bullied the shit out of Curry. He isolated him. He tried to score on Curry every time he could. And you know what? For the most part, he did. Um, I I really was impressed by him. Kevin Love actually showed up in the last game. I think it's not fair what a lot of people have, you know, your, your armchair fucking sports psychologists that we see on Facebook. Kevin in Love was a guy who put up 30 and 30 in a game. He was a 25 and 15 guy and is still capable of doing that. It's not easy being a third option. It really isn't. Um, especially a third option on a team with two incredibly ball-dominant guys. Look what happened to Chris Bosh. The numbers fall. The touches fall. Your engagement falls. It's hard to play with the same intensity when you touch the ball a third, like two-thirds less than you used to. So... Having said that, I thought he played well. His defense on Curry after in that final seconds it was oh my god unbelievable for a guy whose entire season had nothing but shade thrown on his fucking defense. I couldn't believe it, man. Like that, that was as important as Curry's shots. He deserves a lot of credit for that. Yeah, no, I mean, sorry, uh, you mean that was not Curry, um, Irving's shot. Yeah, sorry, as much as yeah. Irving's shot. Um, yeah, but that was I. I couldn't believe it, and the way he was staying with him too, and not only that, but like in man, I've never seen him try that hard before. So, yeah, he he looked like he wanted it, and you know what? It comes. It was so funny, and I mean, you gotta love these little jokes. But like, you see, LeBron James forty, Kyrie Irving forty, Kevin Love two. Like, it's just like you can't help but laugh at that but at the same time like you kind of feel bad for the guy a bit because he's just getting I feel bad for him just it's the true. fifth degree thrown his way the entire time and you know what i think they could trade him too i think the Cavs consider trading love for someone else in the offseason i don't know who you trade him for his market value is not very high right now and how do you break up a team that just beat the best historically the best team ever i mean it's a tough thing to do it's a tough yeah. one to sell the fans on yeah, let's talk now, about these Warriors a little bit here. Yeah, um, before we do, I want to just actually no, we'll talk about the Warriors. I've got a few things I just want to comment on that, that frustrated me throughout the game or at, towards the end of the game. But anyway, we'll carry about that in a bit. All right, so the Warriors. For, for me, I uh, I want to talk about Curry. Yeah. So there's a lot of people who think he didn't quite show up. Now. I think the thing about Curry is he takes and makes terrible shots. That's what he does. That's what makes him the unanimous MVP, is that he hits shots that anyone else in the world takes it, and you go, it's a terrible fucking shot, and you bench him. And he hits those routinely. The problem is, he just wasn't making them. So when Curry starts missing, it looks 
terrible. It looks forced. It looks ugly. It looks brutal. But you have to remember, you can't criticize the guy for taking those shots because the only reason you went 73-9 and nine or in this position is because he routinely makes 45% of those. So... I don't really hold him too accountable for the shooting. Bad shooting happens, especially in the playoffs when guys are up you, your ass, and they're so physical with you. For me, what I didn't like about him is a couple things. His decision-making and his body language. He never looked engaged. The entire finals. Just flopping around, arms just, you know, could never keep his fucking mouth guard in his mouth. It just didn't look like he wanted to be there. It didn't look like... You looked at LeBron, and you could see... Every time he looked at Curry, he would you could see in his eyes, he's like, I can't believe these people think this motherfucker's better than me. I'm going to show them they're wrong. I didn't see that from Curry. I would have loved to see Curry go, I am better than you, LeBron, and I'm going to show you. I didn't see that energy at all. I didn't see it against Westbrook either. Hell, I didn't even see it against Damian Lillard. Whether he's injured or not, the thing that really pissed me off about Curry was his decision-making. Just these stupid little behind-the-back passes into traffic, just fucking... Not feeding the hot hand when he should have. You know, if you're a point guard, that's what you need to do. Clay Thompson's on fire, you feed him. Draymond Green hit six threes. You should have been running ISO plays for Draymond Green, getting him the ball. I don't know. What was your take on Curry, Jay? Uh, Curry itself, yeah, exactly. I mean, you can get mad at the fact that he missed some shots, but the guy's been, as you said, historically hitting insane shots. So you know he wasn't hitting them. But he sh- two things. He should have first up adjusted his game. And instead of trying to keep forcing them up, you know, try and he's a point guard. So be the playmaker. That's what point guards do. They're the main point of the team to change, to do whatever it needs to do to get the team to win. And I feel like Curry, he didn't. And if we're looking back to game six, first off, that freak out. That was the most ill-timed, lamest freak out I've ever seen. You're already down by a certain amount in game six. You know your team's going to lose a game at this point. You have nothing to lose. You're already fouled out. You do this big tough guy act, yelling at the refs, which looked like it was like a five-year-old that got his you know, favorite toy stolen from him. Like It was just such a pathetic freakout towards I, the end I of the disagree. Game. I thought that was really smart. I didn't think it was smart at all. I thought it was lame. And you know what made it worse, too, for me, is that point afterwards. Like that big, like, I'm coming for you. It's, it's funny because... You know, you try to paint this hero, and he's like, see, look, he pointed, and that's where it changed. He pointed at LeBron, and LeBron's like, oh, you're pointing at me? Slaps him in Game 7. Like, I just love seeing these, like, Game of Thrones-type storylines where you have this potential hero that's sitting there pointing at the villain. But what I love about it is that LeBron, who was painted as a villain in this scenario, comes back and slaps him in Game 7. <laughs> I love those just desserts. It just makes me laugh. It just makes me think that George R. R. Martin has something to do with his NBA Finals. Well, I don't know. I, I thought the freakout was good because, one, I thought it was absolute bullshit the way he got fouled out. And those fouls were ridiculous. And just like Steve Kerr said, this is the back-to-back MVP, he deserves more respect than that. LeBron would have never been called for that bullshit, especially in such an important game. So I think what Curry did was bring attention to it, and at that stage he knew he was getting kicked out. You might as well make the scene. It's kind of like when the coach picks up the tee to try and say to the refs, okay, now everyone who's watching knows that you're doing a shit job. Get your act together for game seven. I think that's kind of what he did with that. So I wasn't, I mean, obviously it looked like a fucking child throwing a temper tantrum because Curry's a little tiny guy, but ultimately I liked what he did. However, 
One I think I want to bring you, up about this fucking guy. Sorry, what were you saying? No, no, just uh, I, painful. At this point, it didn't really matter. Well, now he's just looking back at that freak out. I'm surprised it hasn't become an internet meme or something. Oh, I'm sure that it has, Jack. Everything's an internet meme. <laughs> it question is. The crying LeBron James going to overtake the crying Michael Jordan. Oh, I can't, man. The Michael Jordan one's just so good. It's just so good. <laughs> the crying Michael Jordan is like a fine wine. It just gets better with age. The more I see it, the more I laugh. And uh, the more unique ways that people continuously incorporate it into pictures continues to baffle me. If people spent that much time being creative with things that mattered in this world, think of how good this world will be. But instead... They infuse crying Michael Jordans on pitchers. And you know what? At this time, I'm more happy for it. I agree. One thing I'm not happy about is uh, going back to the Curry bashing. I shouldn't say bashing. It's a strong word. But what I just don't understand is the double standard for Kobe Bryant. If a guy like Curry averaged 3.7 assists per game, and he's the point guard. He shot poorly, took a lot of shots, and only averaged 3.7 assists for the finals. If that were Kobe Bryant, the entire world would be in an uproar about how much of a ball hog he is. Same thing goes with Kevin Durant. You know, Kevin Durant can shoot the ball 27 times in a game and get three assists. Nobody calls him a ball hog. With Kobe, it's always in question. And he's not a point guard. Kobe is a two guard, this position that's supposed to shoot it the most. Clay Thompson... Averages like three assists and shoots the ball a fucking ton. So I, I don't understand why Kobe gets that. And that's not really the point I'm making here. That's just a tangent. The thing that I don't get about these guys is you look at it and it's just like, what the fuck, man? Y- you're doing nothing out there, Curry. You're not hitting threes. Well, he was. I guess he hit some threes, but the thing is he's shooting 15 threes to get five. That's just, I don't know. I think Clay. Clay was an undersung hero this playoffs. He really showed his value. His defense. Look at the guys he had to defend all the way through the finals. Le- Kyrie Irving in the finals. Russell Westbrook. He's also spent some time on Durant. The series prior, Damian Lillard. The series prior to that, James Harden. Every night. That's, those are the kind of guys he's defending. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. So the fact is that... You know, Clay really showed up too, and like there are some games that, like straight up, they wouldn't have won without Clay. And oh, know. game six against the Thunder. Yeah, like Clay is really showing his worth now, and it's you know I I know right now obviously like it's a bold statement, but I think if I were to trade both, if I were to have to trade one of the two, I, I think Clay is a safer bet to keep. Because I feel like Steph has a, more, a, a quicker expiry date, and I feel like he's one quick injury away from not being the same player again, like you know an ankle injury again. So Clay is almost a safer bet to keep on your team, which is not that they're going to remove any of them, but if there was the option, like it seems that like Clay would be by far a better selection. Well, I don't know if I'd go that far, man. We, I mean, the guy had a bad series, but I'd say this about Curry. What I, I can see is where you're coming from is Curry's slight stature does not lend himself very well to playoff basketball. And the recipe's out there now for the Warriors. They almost 
got beat by the Thunder, and they did get beat by the Cavs. And the, the, re- the recipe was beat the shit out of Curry and attack Curry. Don't let Curry hide on defense. You could see the Cavs, even when Curry was guarding Shumpert, they'd put Shumpert in the pick and roll to force Curry to have to defend. And it wore him out. Now, he still mm-hmm. had games where he exploded because he's Stephen Curry and he's that damn good, but he couldn't do it as consistently. And you could just see by the end of Game 7, he just wanted it to be over. He was so sick of getting fucking <laughs> elbowed, pushed, and banged around every time he touched the ball. Yeah, like, uh, you know, they've really got it down pat now. I'm interested to see how the Warriors are going to rebound next season. Me too. It's going to be very interesting. Um, do they fault, or do they actually come back and still be reign supreme? Well, they are going to make a push at getting Kevin Durant, so it's tough to say. Do you think uh, they're going to make it back to the finals next year? I think the Spurs are going to the finals. I think the Spurs... Spurs are the Thunder. I think one of them is making it to the finals. I don't think so. I think they lose in the in either they lose either in the Western Conference. They're probably losing the Western Conference Finals. That's my guess. What about uh, the Cavs? Probably, but only because the East is the East. Yeah, I bet you they will be right back there next year. And LeBron is good enough that we might see. A repeat. We might get another championship out of this guy. LeBron can pretty much jump on any Eastern Conference team aside from the Sixers and probably bring them to the Eastern Conference final. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty accurate. I mean, who's like, going to beat them? It certainly won't be the Raptors. Yeah. Like, think about even Orlando, for example. If, if he joined Orlando, I could see that team making it to the Eastern Conference finals. You know, like, Dude, he joins Orlando, Milwaukee. They, they make you know, the like, finals. Exactly. Like it's no, sorry that yeah, exactly. The NBA finals. That's what I'm saying though. So I, like, I always think we'd have much different opinion of LeBron if he played in the West, man. I mean granted the guy's got three rings, I don't want to take anything away from him, but when you get the cakewalk through to the finals every single year, it sure makes it a lot easier when teams like the Warriors have to get their ass kicked by the Thunder for seven games and the Thunder had to go through the Spurs and all that shit. It just you know, it's a bloodbath out there and LeBron's dealing with fucking Patrick Patterson. <laughs> yeah exactly it certainly is unfair but I don't understand how the West continues to be how was it never not evened out after time you know I just don't get it well, it's I, by... think, I think some of it might be the LeBron factor too like if you're going up against if, you, if you're making a decision to move to the East you're saying I gotta beat LeBron to get to the finals so nobody wants to deal with that. I'll take my chances in the West. Like. Yeah, I'll take my chances in the West so I can avoid the LeBron. Maybe he'll blow a hammy or Kyrie will get injured and we can deal with them in the finals. And I, I think that's there's got to be some of that involved. Yeah, there must be some inner workings. Because I don't know why we don't see more stars coming East. We never see them coming East. That's the thing. So many stars go West. Well, and that's why if all the good teams are out west, which they are, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, why would you want to come to the east? Like, if you're Durant, why would you want to leave a team in the west who almost beat the Warriors to go to a shitty team in the east and not have anywhere near the same chance of getting back to the finals? That's why you see a lot of west-to-west movement where a guy like LaMarcus is on a four seed and figures, oh, if I go to the Spurs, then I'm definitely going to win. We'll see what happens. Anyway... I've got to quickly just point out these two things. First off, did you listen to Dan Gilbert's post-game speech? 
Oh my god. You want to talk about inauthentic? My god. It yeah, exactly. Like, sounded, oh, it was disgusting. All I kept thinking about is how much you just completely belittled LeBron James. And I still remember, as clear as day, that letter where he wrote, the Cavs will get a ring way before you do in Miami. Yeah, before the self-proclaimed king gets one. <laughs> and here LeBron is, basically dragging this guy, kicking and screaming, being the better man, giving him an NBA championship. And yes, certainly he thanked LeBron James. But I love how he conveniently ignored the one question when it was asked about him, when he said... Yeah, he's like, I didn't hear you, Doris, so I'm just going to give you this stock answer. <laughs> asked the PA speakers around the entire stadium. Oh, you didn't hear me, eh? How convenient that it was also a controversial question that I asked you. Yeah, <laughs> like, funny. I just love that. Like, oh, really, Dan Gilbert, you don't want to talk about LeBron leaving and coming back and basically giving you hope again? Oh, no, but you're going to talk about whatever bullshit else you mentioned about God. You know? I just thought that was so funny. Dan Gilbert, I listened to this guy, and I'm just shaking my head the entire time, thinking, what a fucking bum. Absolutely. Total degenerate. Granted... Now, one other comment. Oh, sorry, carry on. I was going to say, I can't... I mean, the letter was a stupid thing for him to write, but he was understandably pretty pissed off. It's like, you couldn't have told me before you went on national television and made a fucking ass out of me and the entire city. <laughs> The guy owns a freaking loan area. Like, you know, this guy isn't anything. You know, this guy sh this guy basically screws over the poor and gets them more in debt. You know, he basically owns a, a big cash money store. He's a slum landlord. Yeah, exactly. So this guy has nothing to, nothing to say to anybody. He has no moral compass that he can talk about. You know, he gives poor people, you know, rent ahead of schedule or money, uh, payday advances and charges him an arm and a leg, and he can own a team from doing that. He can own an NBA franchise from doing that. Uh, it sure so, makes you think what you, makes you think. Yeah. sure makes you think, man. Yeah. Now, the other thing, I don't know if anyone noticed this or not, but, you know, I should have been sitting there enjoying the celebration, but instead, did anyone notice Tyrone Liu sitting on the bench and literally no one went up to him and did anything? Well, the man was crying pretty heavily, and typically when I see a grown man crying, <laughs> I just go the other direction. <laughs> like I don't know like and it was so funny too but the even funnier part about it was not that he was only sitting there by himself with not a soul celebrating not even the cameras drew attention to him like the cameras are flat and just bail away from him the only time you'd really see glimpses of Tyrone Liu is when they'd be showing LeBron James and he'd be like in the background just sitting there crying on the bench and I just I couldn't stop laughing at this guy's just complete ridiculous reaction to this situation. And I just felt like clearly their team doesn't give a shit about Tyrone Liu. So much so that no one's even going to sit there and celebrate with the dude after he's won. Dude, he's a placeholder. Just, he might be the only coach to win the championship and get fired this offseason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he's he. We could hear from years from now that the guy is just a hologram. And no one even bat an eyelash. Like, oh, really? Okay. He yeah. did nothing, man. The guy did nothing. I know, and I just... Oh, it was Tyrone Liu. I mean, the guy was just... The guy was the biggest idiot from what I saw at the celebration there. And the guy was crying. How often do you see coaches cry like that? Not like, the very. guy... Like, you know, like... I understand... Listen, if you want to cry with emotion, 
you know, I understand I don't get it that much. Maybe it's because I'm just from Pefalot and we, you know, we eat friggin', um, you know, shards of glass for breakfast. But so maybe some other people handle emotions differently. But I still don't understand why this guy literally was on the bench by himself looking like he just <laughs> he just he just lost like his entire family. It's a tough one, man. I don't know. Uh, clearly, they don't give a fuck about this guy. But they at least don't he give got the ring. Yeah, just sat there crying. You, know, you got to feel bad for David Blatt. Real anti-Semitic to fire him. Yeah. So anyway, so the, those are my few comments about the whole game, and overall, it was entertaining. And as I said, I was, I was cheering for the Cavs just because I just wanted to see, basically, more or less, what the main thing that also pissed me off. Are you sick and tired of hearing tweets from Curry's wife? Can that oh. just stop already? Can that just not be non-existent anymore? We only I don't know care. you because of your husband. You exactly. literally don't even know what you're talking You don't play basketball. You're not a fucking... I don't care about your analysis about the game anymore. I don't care about everything. I hate that every single time she makes a comment on Twitter... That thing has to be analyzed by every fucking sports journalist. Who gives a shit? If I, like, you know what? He's got a cute kid. But I don't care about seeing this kid anymore. You know, it's over. I don't care. Why does it keep happening? And that's the biggest thing about the Currys that frustrated me. It became this annoying family affair. And it just got, it just, it just got unsettling to watch and just watch their dynamic. It just got fucking annoying. So that's another reason why I wanted them to lose. Well, I always root against LeBron James, but even in that scenario, I don't think you could deny the magnitude of it. It seemed as though the basketball gods were going to make it happen. And it just it, it, feel, it felt right. It's a shame that the Warriors lost. I always root to see history. I would have loved to see 73-9 and win the championship, have the greatest season ever. Unfortunately, they couldn't get it done. I'm going to be very interested to see how they respond to it. I'm going to be interested to see how the Cleveland Cavaliers respond to it because had they lost this series, there's a good chance Kevin Love would have been gone. LeBron might have left. Who the hell knows what would have happened now? All because Draymond Green kicks somebody in the balls. Here we are. (laughs) And it's going to be very interesting to see what happens next year. But um, we got to cut it short here. We've uh, been going pretty long, and we got to to put a stop to it here, Jay. So thank you guys for tuning in as always. Um, share us with your friends, subscribe to us on iTunes, give us a five-star review, and as always, uh, keep on keeping on. Yeah, thanks again, boys, and we'll see you next time.